Pro Talk with ProTech, digging deep to learn the stories, lessons, and accomplishments of experts in the real estate industry. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Pro Talk with ProTech. Today, we get to meet top real estate agent Maurice McKinney with Neighborhood Uplift and NACA. It's so nice to meet you, Maurice. How are you today? I'm doing well. Nice to meet you, Lexi. Awesome. So just to get things started, let's hear a little bit more about you. Um, How long have you been in the real estate industry and how did you end up here? Tell me your story. Well, I would say I've probably been in the real estate industry my whole life, you know, not necessarily knowing it because I didn't have a family member that was a licensed real estate agent, but my dad is a uh, general in the Air Force, and we've always moved, always moved around. And everywhere we went, we, we owned pretty much where we lived. And so that came with responsibilities, such as, you know, cutting the grass. I remember at one point in time when I was in college, my dad was renting out the uh, main house that we lived in when he was stationed in Alabama, and I was going to VCU and uh, going home and checking on the house. There's tenants there. I remember growing up, I had an uncle that I looked up to who's a pretty big real estate guy in Chicago, which is where I'm from. And he owned a lot of multi-unit properties. And I, and I never knew that that was being involved in real estate. I just knew that I had an uncle and a lot of people in my family owned a lot of property. Mm-hmm. And so I would say that I've always been involved in real estate, but as far as being a real estate agent, licensed, uh, started in 2015, um, while I was going to school at uh, Virginia Commonwealth University. I was working and going to school full-time. Well, working full-time and going to school full-time. And, I, and my, when I got my first corporate job, it's a crazy story that I want to share with you. Um, and uh, so we got this first job. It's a company called Super Value. Um, my fraternity brother hooked me up, and I was just looking for an internship. And they were looking for full-time people. And so, uh, you know, when you go to the grocery store, you see the sales, that's all a part of merchandising. You can do fashion merchandising, you can do grocery merchandising. So I was working with a grocery merchandiser and just doing data entry with the deals that they were buying and the products they were buying. And one day I was there and there was this old gentleman who walked around, I guess he was retiring, and he was saying his goodbyes and, and hellos and cheering people on who just got started because this company just ordered, uh, hired a whole bunch of young people. That's mm-hmm. why they hired me full time. They hired a, a couple other recent graduates. I was a fifth year senior at the time. And so the guy was coming around and he was at a cubicle next to mine. And he was talking to one of the guys and he said, he said, man, I've seen that face before. And he's like, and then he's like, he goes on and he's saying, yeah, I remember 30 years ago when I first started this company, I didn't, I didn't think I can work at a cubicle here and or work in a cubicle and uh, here I am, you know, I have a daughter that's of age and kids in college and it's time for me to retire. You know, my life has just gone by and the same thing that happened to you, you know, and it was a good moment for him because now he, he, he beat the corporate life and now he he's retired and he's telling us that if we do the same thing, we'll be okay. But at that moment, something triggered me. It's like, I know that I don't like working in a cubicle. Mm-hmm. I need to be out talking to people and being in control of my destiny. And that moment stuck with me and I thought about it, but it didn't really do anything for me until around 10 months later when we learned that that guy died. Mm. And so I knew at that point in time, I think he developed some type of illness and died rather quickly. And um, I knew at that time, I said, that's not gonna be me. I'm not gonna wake up and do something that I don't like for 30 years. 
and then I get to get this retirement age and then I don't even get to enjoy my retirement. So right then and there, I start looking into uh, different opportunities. How can I get out of this cubicle? So first it started with um, looking at selling insurance and opening up an insurance agency because I knew I liked people, I liked helping people. But then I realized, and I was working with State Farm, then I realized I had to go to State Farm University and it was gonna be a whole different process a while before I can like just branch out and do my own thing. Mm-hmm. Then I started learning about real estate I said, hey, I can get my license in 60 hours. Mm-hmm. You know, this let's let's go ahead and do it. And ever since then, you know, it's been bumps and bruises and a lot of growing pains. But five years later, you know, being a principal broker for my own brokerage and also a national nonprofit organization, it was the right decision. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's how I got started. Wow, that's a really amazing story. Cause yeah. So I think it's so much easier to hear that story and think like, I mean, so many of us are just doing the same thing every mm-hmm. single day and then saying, yeah, when I retire or when I this or when I get to it and do, you know, do this um, and to have someone that impacted you and then you took immediate action, you know, you knew right away, like, that's not what I'm doing. Um, you know, what's what's the next big thing? That's pretty powerful. So, Thank you. Um, so I know we're, we're in Baltimore now, but I know you also live in D.C. Um, yeah. typically. What, what areas or neighborhoods do you find yourself most frequently in? Is there any specific areas or just kind of all over from here to there? I guess, are, are we talking about business or personally? Am I Both, either. I guess, you know, personally, I, you know, I'm from Chicago and I moved to Northern Virginia um, with my father when he was stationed at the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. So um, that's how I got to the East Coast, and I and I love it. You know, I don't plan on moving back to Chicago, but a lot of my family is still in Chicago, but they're slowly moving to the East Coast. So it's not like I have a favorite neighborhood or a favorite. You know, being a military kid, you're used to being all over, and you mm-hmm. can find home in different places. So I'm open. The DMV area, even you know Baltimore. Some argue that Baltimore may may not be a part of the quote unquote DMV. Um, but it's all the, the play, same playground to me, right. you know, especially with being a real estate agent, uh, showing homes, you know, 50 miles is not a big different, a, a big deal. I can go from waking up in Southeast DC, Congress Heights, where I live currently and show a home in Rockville, Maryland. And by the time I come home, that's 60 miles driven, mm-hmm. you know, or I can just come to my office here in Baltimore, which is 40 miles down the road, come back home. It's really not a big difference, especially when you're sitting in D.C. traffic. Mm-hmm. So I would say that on the personal side, it's, 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 I'm all over. Mm-hmm. From Northern Virginia to, to Washington, D.C., to Baltimore. I also went to grad school down here in Baltimore. And then um, on a real estate side, you know, working, you know, I have a team of 15 agents. And uh, we work with buyers from the NACA program, which stands for Neighborhood Assistance Corporation of America. Mm-hmm. And I... I'm a broker for an office here in Baltimore and an office here in D.C. and an office in Richmond and uh, and an office in Delaware. And so, uh, you know, I started, I became the broker because I worked all those areas. Mm -hmm. I went to college in Richmond. I lived in, I went to high school in Northern Virginia. I live in D.C. And now I have an office in Baltimore. So I'm very familiar with all those areas. So some people might, it might not be common for them to touch all those grounds, but it just kind of happened organically for me. Right, right. Yeah, so your your personal life kind of then transpired into, you know, allowing you to reach more people and yeah. professionally too. Yeah. So that's awesome. 
Um, kind of just for a fun question with regards to real estate and all these different houses and things. And I think your, your stories will be really interesting since, since you're in so many different areas. What's the craziest thing that you've ever seen when going into a home, showing a home, or maybe it's even personally when buying a home or investment property? Uh, craziest thing. I mean, I, I think the craziest thing was probably somewhere in like Prince George's County. I was showing a home, I want to say like in Clinton or up in Marlboro. And I think we like were coming to, we were coming to a property like while it's just being freshly burglarized. Okay. So like the HVAC system was gone. We walked in, the alarm system was still going, the mm. window was broken out and it was a foreclosure too. So we were like what's going on none of the neighbors were acting like anything was up like normal hmm. but like the HVAC system was like pulled and the door the glass it just didn't look old so I don't know if the robbery happened that morning right. yesterday nothing but I mean that's probably the craziest thing and I guess in Baltimore City I used to own a couple commercial properties on North Avenue and uh, I guess as a real estate investor that's the craziest thing that I saw with like showing with a home to the client. Yeah. Now, the craziest thing I probably experienced as an investor in this market is I own some properties on North Avenue. And uh, I went out of town. My girlfriend and I, we went to Cuba for, for maybe a week or two. And um, I came back. I checked the properties before I left. And I came back. And uh, I go back down and look at the property. I see my, my neighbor's old guy. I get to know all the neighbors on the street when I buy a property. And he's like, yo, I think somebody's in your house or in your building or whatever. And I say, okay, what's going on? So I go to the stairs. I see what's up. I see the door is kicked in. And I knock on the door and I say, hey, uh, what's going on? You know, what, what you guys, did you guys just rented this place or what's up? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I just gave the guy my uh, <laughs> last month. He talking to, he's like, yeah, I just met, I met the owner and stuff like that. He, he's talking to me, and I'm like, no, you didn't pay anybody. I'm going to need y'all to leave. I'm the owner, you know what I'm oh. saying? I want to call the police on you all, but, you know, you guys got to go. <laughs> and so they, they did a whole song and dance. The lady called her husband and said, didn't you come here? Didn't you pay the man so we can come? I said, Okay, so y'all pay somebody. So why is the door kicked off the, the hinge? <laughs> right, where's he, the key? Yeah, <laughs> where's the key? He was like, uh, they're like, yeah, he said he was going to come back and fix it. I said, all right, we'll call him right now. And they started acting crazy. And <laughs> I said, yo, y'all got to go. So the police told him to go. I told him I don't want to get in trouble. Y'all just got to go. Right. But that's it, it plays into the importance of checking on your property and your investments because let's say I didn't check on my property for three months. I probably would have had to deal with an eviction issue. Mm -hmm. They could have tried to say they have some type of domain rights to the property. Right. And they could so, have wrecked things while in there and broken who knows what. They could have did what they could have got hurt and then all of a sudden it wasn't written. Now they want to sue the owner. Right. They got hurt in my property that they broke into. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of crazy things that goes on and in, to uh, to invest and to really make money in real estate. A lot of my clients always ask me, one of the most, the, the question that pretty much everyone client, every client asks me, is Maurice, is this a good investment? Mm -hmm. And I say, hey man, you're not an investor. You know, you're not buying your home necessarily as an investment. You're investing for your family, you're investing in your saving and safety, you're investing in community, but you wanna own a home that no matter what's going on in the market, you're happy that you have that home. Right. Because one thing we know is that markets can crash and markets can go up. So if you're happy that you bought this home, and your family is in the area that you're happy with, and the, and you wake up tomorrow and find out that it's worth fifty thousand dollars less. If you're happy, you don't care, right? Because in right. five, ten years, it's going to be worth you know what you pay for, if not more. Mm -hmm. 
But when you're actually an investor, meaning you're buying properties that need renovations, you know, a lot of work done to them, they're usually in the communities that are rough mm-hmm. and where you got to spend time and you got you to get to know the neighbors and you got to understand the element. There might be crime, there might be danger, right? but it's money there. And so I forgot what the original question was. It was just the craziest <laughs> thing that you saw yeah, in the house. You answered the, answer the question thing. too. So yeah, yeah. That, that is the craziest thing. Right. If you want to make money, you need to go to the roughest areas. There's right. money in those areas. Yeah. Well, I like too that like there's different perspectives, whether you're buying the house for you, like you mm-hmm. said, and your family, and then a lot of those other things aren't going to matter as much or matter more. Mm-hmm. You're buying investment. There's a lot of other things that you have to take into consideration mm-hmm. um, and understanding that a lot of things can pop up, crazy sure. things, and you have to make sure that you're responsible enough to handle those and check on them and yeah. Make sure you're checking all the, um, all the de- all the dots. Awesome. Um, so if I'm buying a home, what is the most important thing I need to know? And I think we kind of just touched on this a little bit in the mm-hmm. sense of depending on what the purpose of the property is. But let's just say I'm you know looking for my forever home. Um, what is is if there is just one thing? What is the most important thing that I should know as a home buyer? All right. Well, there's two things. Okay. All right. Because a lot of buyers think. That they're gonna get their forever home. Right. When their first home is to just to get out the apartment home. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. if, depending on the budget, I can find you your forever home. All right. But if we have a tight budget, we might have to be realistic. Mm-hmm. And what I teach my agents and what we call that is called community shopping. Mm-hmm. You got to know the community that you want to be in. One, it, 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 especially in this market, it's a seller's market. Every home, if it's in a in a in a high, highly sought out area, it's gonna have multiple offers. Right. So you can get caught up in that whirlwind. Hey, I know I, this house is me. You know, you and your spouse. You're in the bed at midnight. You get a Redfin alert or a Realtor.com alert. Some just came through from your agent. You like, we need to see this tomorrow morning. And next thing you know, Under you get caught contract. up in the height. You're in contract. You went twenty thousand dollars above asking. The next thing you know, two months later, you're like, yo, I really don't like this kitchen. Right. Like, I didn't even realize that the, the backyard is super swampy and every time it rains, I can't even enjoy the backyard for, for a month. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's things that happen. So what I tell my clients is you got a community shop, which means that if school districts are important to you, you need to research those. And that's what's going to be on top of our list. If commute to work is going to be important, you need to research those things. And that's what's going to be on top of your list. Right. If whatever, if you, you live in D.C., you want to be on 8th Street, or you want to be anywhere else where, you know, you like to have a good time. If that's number one. That needs to be on top of your list. And I tell my clients they need to find about, you know, three to five communities that they want to be in. Mm-hmm. And we don't look at anything but those communities, because what happens is if you have a community shopping list and you know where you want to buy. And let's say you, when you meet me, you say, hey, I really want a fit, four bedroom, three and a half bathroom home. But we found a home that's in the community that you want to be in. We know every time we made a shot, we lost. But now a three bedroom, two and a half property came on. Are you willing to budge? Right. And when you do budge, are you going to be happy? Mm-hmm. And the question is, yes, because you're in the community that you want to be in. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So that's why I think that that's important. I stress that to my agents is community shopping. And I don't want to give you too much because this is fire that I'm giving you. Mm-hmm. And I can't give all my secrets mm-hmm. away. But Dude. community shopping is what yeah. people need to do and that'll help them. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I like, too, that, you know, the, it's, you know, being prepared on what it is that you're buying, especially right now with the way that the market is, is 
a lot of times you have to act fast. Like, yeah. are we getting this house? Yes or no. And so knowing what community you want to be in or, you know, what is important to you and what are you able to be a little bit more flexible with is important. So that way, when you're ready to take action, you can be ready and then not regret it in the future For sure. um, going forward. So that's awesome. Um, how about on the flip side of that? If I'm a seller and I want to sell my house, what would be the most important thing that I should take into consideration and or do to get my house ready to be put on the market? I mean, in this market, if you're seeing your neighbor's houses go on the market and they're you know under contract in 48 hours, you don't got to do anything. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, if anything, you want, I mean, some people might not like me for saying this, but I mean, your listing agent really isn't doing much. You know what I'm saying? So you got to really explore uh, what is a listing agent doing in a market where houses, homes are selling themselves. Sure. Right. And, that's, and, and I think us as agents, we're getting a little bit too greedy. I mean, I think agents have pretty much the best setup in the world. I mean, where can you find someone, you know, without a college education that can make millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year? And they're not even paying a mortgage payment. They're not renovating the house. They're just giving you suggestions. Right. You pay. You build all the equity, and here I go get three, sometimes four percent off of all the work that you did, and the house is going to sell itself. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like it's. So I think what's going on is you see platforms like Redfin or other different, you know, discount brokerage services because they realize, hey, look, there's a lot of a fat in this deal that these agents are getting paid nothing for. Now, if the market crashes and we're in a situation where buyers have 10 houses that they can choose from and the agent is doing an amazing open house and their marketing is next level and they're, they're really investing in their businesses to get your home sold, then that's worth three to 4%. Right. So I think first thing the seller should do is really evaluate what the listing agent is doing. The buyer agent is procuring the buyer. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and I, that's mainly I focus on the, the, the buyers. And in this market, it's definitely hard on the buyer's agent. So I think buyer agents are soft, are, are, are safe. Mm -hmm. And in, in my opinion, uh, buyer agents are eventually, if you're a good buyer agent, you're going to become the listing agent. So right. anyway, right, in a couple of years. So I think that the... Um, I think the seller should focus on what their listing agent is going to do and if it's worth that value. And then three or two, I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of things that you can analyze with the financing. I mean, everyone wants to get the money, the most amount of money, the quickest. So if that's your thing, then cool. But, uh, you know, I've, I've done deals with people who are buying cash, you know what I'm saying? And they can be a-holes, mm -hmm. you know? You know, people say, "Hey, I'm buying, I'm buying three, four hundred thousand dollars cash. You're gonna treat me the way I want to be treated. You're gonna do what I want to do. Do you really want to be bothered with someone, you know, trying to swing a big stick because right. they got some money, or do you want to do with the buyer who has, who just wants the opportunity? Maybe they're willing to buy the property as is. Maybe you know they're gonna be a nice neighbor to you, the neighbors next door that you you built a relationship with. You know, maybe you know they're gonna be reasonable. Maybe the listing, maybe their buyer's agent. One of the big questions." is how many deals has the buyer agent done? Mm -hmm. You know, in this market where, you know, we were talking about it earlier, it's about who has the, the biggest credit card as far as being a, a buyer's agent. Whoever can spend the most on marketing to become the first on realtor.com or zillow.com, they're getting the business right now. Mm -hmm. It's not about their skill. It's not about, uh, you know, their reputation. It's about, hey, let me show you this home in 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And hopefully I can lock you into a buyer agency agreement 
and then we can write the contract on the house. And now here you are a seller wondering why you need multiple extensions or why, um, why the, the buyer is freaking out because you know the hot water tank doesn't have an expansion tank on it because the buyer's agent doesn't know enough about homes to say, hey, you don't have to worry about that. Expansion mm -hmm. tank costs them more than 200 bucks. So the question is, I guess to wrap this up, one, what is the what value is the listing agent providing, mm -hmm. right? Two, uh, what type of financing the buyer does the buyer have, and then three, um, how much experience does the buyer agent actually have? Right. That's gonna let you know if you can have a smooth transaction or not. Right, and I think just to touch on the first thing that you were talking about with regards to what is the listing agent doing, and you know what extra stuff depending on the time of the year, and I think in a lot of times the areas we get the question a lot of like, should we do a pre-listing inspection? Well, I think it depends on the market, the area, you know, like in DC and I'm sure in the Baltimore area as well is like, if you're getting multiple contracts at a, at a house, there's no, you don't need to do a pre-listing inspection sure. in certain areas, certain price points, even there's no need to do it because the house is going to sell. Right. Whereas, especially like we do a lot of luxury homes, you know, those, that higher price point, mm -hmm. those tend to sit longer. You might want to do a pre-listing inspection as a way to market the house a little bit more yeah. in different ways. Yeah. So I think it definitely, it definitely varies based on, um, based on the client and you know, where you're at and, and sure. what's going on. So definitely lots of good points. Um, Talk to me a little bit about what the, the current market is like. I know we kind of touched on it a little bit, um, but how how does it continuously affect the value of my home over time? I tell my clients, you know, that there's essentially uh, three values for a home, right? One, we have the market value, which is how much people are willing to throw at it. So let's say you got a home that's listed at 350. I'm working with a client right now in Waldorf, Maryland, and I mean, Waldorf is like on fire. Anything from like 250 to 450, I mean, it's like if it's moderately clean home, it's five offers mm -hmm. instantly. And uh, I tell my clients, say, hey, Maurice, what do you think the house is worth? I say, it's about how much you want to spend, mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah, we're seeing $30,000 offer, $30,000, $40,000 above asking. All right, so that's the market value, what people are willing to pay. Right. Then you got the banks, the appraisal value. What are the banks willing to lend? So I might write an offer for 30,000 above asking, but it might appraise only for $5,000 above the asking price. Mm -hmm. So that's the second value. And then obviously you got the assessment value. How much is the law, the raw land and materials worth and that's how much you're gonna be paying property taxes on. So I would say that for every client, especially if you're dealing in a market where there's gonna be multiple offer situations, it's about when you and your significant other are in bed and you found out, I gave you that call, hey, the seller didn't accept the offer. Uh, you gonna be punching them in the side because they didn't wanna offer $2,500 more. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You don't want any, any you know, civil unrest in the house because you didn't get the dream house because you were scared to spend $5,000 more on your offer price, which only would have translated to maybe $10, $15 more a month right. in your mortgage payment. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I tell my clients, do what will make will help you sleep at night. So if we go 30000 above asking, they just don't accept it, and that was your highest and best, then the house wasn't meant to be. Right. Yeah. Right. I like with um, just kind of touching on overall all of your different um, knowledge that you're that you're giving and just answers and it's it all is it just varies so much based on every person, every transaction, every area. Um, you know, there's no one way 
to, you know, no one person, no one way to do all of this. Like there's a lot of different variables that go into all of this. So I really like the um, just diversity in, in all of what you're saying. Um, so with all of these different moving pieces, what would you say your most favorite thing is about this industry as a whole? It sounds like you work with a lot of buyers. Um, do you have a preference at all? Is there anything kind of overall that you just love about what it is that you do? Um, I guess my favorite thing that about the industry is really helping those that want my help. So just to give you a little background, one of the organizations that I work with and my team, we work with, uh, it's called NACA, which stands for Neighborhood Assistance Corporation of America. And essentially what NACA has is an agreement with Bank of America to fulfill what's called their Community Investment Act credit. Okay. Essentially... Banks may get in trouble for giving predatory lending or not lending to certain groups. They get in trouble, get a smack in the rip on the wrist, and now they have to give money and lend to those groups and work with different nonprofit organizations to meet certain criteria. Okay. And so NACA works with Bank of America to fulfill that. So what that what that entails is my clients, we have a hundred percent financing loan. Uh, there's no private mortgage insurance. Um Bank of America covers all of their closing costs. And uh, the interest rate is very low. Today we're at a 2.125% fixed for 30 years. And they have the ability to buy down their interest rate all the way to zero, 0.125%. So it sounds unbelievable, but this mm -hmm. is this is, has been the cornerstone of my business. And uh, the thing that I enjoy about that and why I work with this program is one, it's the best loan, loan product in the country. Just there's no no bias. I mean, it's right. pros and cons because, you know, the settlement date in a, in a seller's market, the seller doesn't really like to see 100% financing right now. Right. But at the end of the day, for the client, it's the best loan that they can find. And so my true, like, what I enjoy out of this is, is the service of helping people that want my help. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've gone through, especially because I started the business, as I told you, very young. You know, I got my license at 23, I'm 28 now. And um, I've gone through being questioned and the ageism. Do you know what you're doing? You helping me with this to now, you know, no one has closed more deals with this loan product probably in in the East Coast in the mm -hmm. last five years than, than me, especially my team. And um, so now I'm an expert and I can help people who want my help. There are people who say, Maurice, I want to work with you or someone you recommend. That's what I want. And then I have people that they call me or I call them and offer my services and they want to question me to the third degree. And I'm mm -hmm. like, bro, like, <laughs> well, I'll answer your question because I want to make sure you have this information. But right. at the same time, it's like you couldn't be in better hands. And I had to learn very early to not fight people to help them. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, the biggest reward in real estate is one, when someone values your service and you help them do something that they that they never thought they would do. Right. So for example, the loan product that I'm talking about, NACA, the way that they finance people and they're able to get people a loan with no private mortgage insurance is that they qualify people based off of what their rent has been. Okay. So let's say you've been renting for two years. The theory is that if you haven't missed a rent payment, you haven't missed any credit card payments, why shouldn't you be able to afford a mortgage that costs the same as your rent? Right. So I may get a client and they'll get qualified by NACA and their maximum amount of mortgage payment that they can have is $1,000 a month. Mm -hmm. I think probably the lowest I've had is maybe $800 a month. And I've been able to find them a home. 
-hmm. And people may say, where do you find someone? Where do you get a mortgage for $800 a month? You can do it. At one point in time, it was Waldorf. <laughs> that was like my bread and butter. Right, right. It was very cheap to live, to get a three-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bathroom townhome in Waldorf. Maybe a hundred to 150000 Those days are pretty much over. But I've done it. And so when that buyer who worked hard just to get qualified, then now they are qualified and they're getting qualified for 900 to to $1,000. And they're like, whoa nothing i can't find anything for a thousand dollars and then they come to me maurice i need your help what can you do and then i find them a home that's a quality home and i get it and they close and they pray over me at the closing and they they cry and give me hugs mm -hmm. that's that's the most important yeah. things like i've been i've been prayed over like a lot mm -hmm. because of the work that i've done for people and i believe it's because of god i'm, I'm a spiritual person mm -hmm. And I didn't never knew that I would be where I'm at right now, but it's always come from service to others. Right. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, you're, you're clearly giving that back to others. And I think it's most important on everything that you're doing and, and being diverse and keeping yourself out there because so many people probably in those situations don't even think to try to mm -hmm. get a mortgage or to buy a house because they just think that, you know, they can't afford it. Yeah. So I, I love just everything that you're doing and, and you know, helping people know that there is a way and sure. you know also of course giving them the way and showing them how mm -hmm. to do it and being the expert in it to uh, fully understand what it is that you're doing to help these people appreciate it's amazing um let's talk about um just a really challenging time for you and and how you overcame it and this can be personally <laughs> or professionally i guess they merge i mean um i guess i would say that uh the hardest time and i tell anyone about it because now my credit is good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I just said hundreds, now you can talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I can talk about it, right? But I mean, I guess when I first I told you when we started this, you know, conversation, um, when I left my job because I was leaping out on faith. A lot of people, a lot of times, you know, I played football in college and and, and in high school, and then uh, you know, people always show you the highlight tape, right? They only show you what's good. They mm -hmm. don't show you all the stuff that happened before. You know, it's on Instagram or Facebook, right? Mm -hmm. And so I guess. My introduction to the business is, you know, I start watching people online and that's kind of like, and just the urgency to leave the job, I saved maybe a couple thousand dollars and I was like, yo, I'm going to do real estate and I'm going to sell 30 houses in my first year, I'm going to kill it, da, da, da. And next thing, you know, what happened was I didn't sell, I only sold like one house my first year mm -hmm. and I was on a team and I was, uh, you know, to pay my bills, I opened a property management company, I started a property management company. Um, I was working at UPS at night, loading trucks. I was uh, showing homes for different people on my team. I was planting the signs, the for sale signs mm -hmm. in the yard, um, anything I can do. And what my dilemma was, was that when I quit my job, I can only pay my bills on the fifth week of the month. Like mm -hmm. it's not a such thing, but like it took me five weeks to get enough to pay my my more my I had an apartment at the time, my rent mm -hmm. and like my car and my car insurance. So like I was always late, consistently late. Right. And the crazy thing is I owned a property management company. So I knew the rules. <laughs> of don't be late. <laughs> well not to not be late, but how to evict somebody. <laughs> so I didn't rent from one of my clients. I was renting from another property management company while I was building my portfolio of properties I managed. Mm -hmm. And so I was collecting the rents for the landlords that I was working for. And people would come to me and they were like, Mo, I'm sorry, I'm late on my rent. I'm like, dog, don't worry. <laughs> Look, it's not my property. I'm not going to shame you. I understand. I wouldn't say, I'm late on my own rent. I would yeah. say, I understand. 
All I can do is I can tell the owner and I'm gonna give you this five, I gotta send you the five day notice, I gotta do my job, but pay just just try to pay your rent. Mm -hmm. And the landlord will be upset and I'll just say, hey look, this is what the situation is, I'm gonna go through the steps and get, get the letters out. And usually people always pay, they just have to pay like a 10% late fee. Right. And the crazy thing is, I was doing the same thing to my property management company. Mm -hmm. I was like, look, I'm going to pay. You know what I'm saying? I just need that fifth week. <laughs> right. You know? So my roommate was getting upset with me. You know? Uh, and I mean, it was so crazy. I had a dog at that time. And I was on the strictest budget. I think my grocery budget was 20 bucks a week. Mm -hmm. I was, uh, I would get like uh, chicken thighs and bags of rice. Mm -hmm. And like a couple, like a bag of dog food. So the only thing I ate, like if you if you met me back then, I was like really slim, you know what I'm saying? But the only thing that I ate was chicken and rice. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have enough to buy my dog the best dog food. So all I did, I would season my chicken and rice and I wouldn't season his chicken and rice. <laughs> so my dog was loving it because he's like, yo, I'm eating chicken and chicken rice. Chicken rice every day. <laughs> but that's the only thing I could afford for us to eat. And he, you know, I throw sprinkle some dog food in there and stuff. And my, I just, my, my the dog had chicken and rice every day. We ate the same thing. That's hilarious. And it was so funny because I was going through so much financial stuff that my car was getting repossessed at that time and my girlfriend is so naive and I'm just keeping it cool she always sees me working and she can see where the vision is going mm -hmm. but it was just like I was drowning in overhead and that's why everything I, I do now is like I'm managing my overhead I learned how to manage my business and uh, she it was so funny that I bought another car because I knew my car was gonna get repossessed eventually so I bought another car and I had a uh, I was living in a, in a um, in this uh, apartment complex, and my the, the parking spot was right out the window, and I whenever my girlfriend would come over, I did not want my car to get repossessed that day. So literally, <laughs> I'll be in dead sleep, and I hear something that sound like a tow truck or something. I pop up, look at the window, the tractor. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't shoot my girlfriend to go outside fighting for me. Like, why are you towing his car? He lives here. Da -da -da. And the whole time, she don't even know my car is getting repossessed. Yeah. So I did not want that to happen. <laughs> But, uh, you know, that happened, and um, it's kind of funny how it came full circle mm -hmm. because I just, I, you know, the whole time that happened, I just had, like, a grace where I knew it was going to be okay. Mm -hmm. I guess maybe, you know, I had another car, and it would be crazy things. I'd just be walking down the street, and random people, like, would just say, they would say, God told me to tell you it's, it's going to be okay. Mm. Like, random. Like, it's so many crazy things. Like, I didn't know these people from a can of paint. They just right. stopped me and said, God wanted me to tell you you're going to be okay. And so I guess it just gave me like a grace that I had. Mm -hmm. Like, so I was going through all these financial issues and then boom, the next year my business just like took off. You know, I got this one listing and this woman just kept saying, Maurice, I want you to learn about this NACA program. And I think you'll be so great. And I had no clue what NACA was. Mm -hmm. I was in Richmond, they were in DC. And uh, boom, the first year I do it, she finally says, you know what, baby, I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna I'm stop, I'm stop telling you to call them. I'm gonna have them call you. Mm -hmm. They called me, they had me come to DC and I sold 40 homes that next year. Wow. And I paid the bank back. You know, I got a great banking relationship with them because it was a small credit union. Mm -hmm. They know me by name and I keep my business with them. And it's just, that those are some of the things that people don't know what it takes to, to reach success in this business. Right. And uh, some of the different things. So when people say they're having tough times, like, man, look, me and my, I ate essentially dog food for a year. <laughs> <laughs> but my dog was really eating human food. Right, but right. That's, that's what it came, that's where it came from. Well, and I think that goes a long way because it gives you such a different 
level of understanding for other people. So even when you're in the midst of all of it and now you're, you have a property management company, like you're a little bit more understanding of what people are going through because you're living it, you know? And and I think also in just talking with you for this little bit of time and even beforehand and and keep your eye on the vision Mm -hmm. and knowing where it is that you want to go. Cause it's so easy. I think you're stuck in those hard times well, I'm just, I'm a failure, so I'm just going to stop. But if you could just keep your eye on what it can be and what you know that, you know, and just have faith in that you're going to come out of this and then look at where you're at now. Like, that's just, that's awesome. Yes, it's it's a blessing. It's, you know, we're sitting here in my, you know, commercial building. People can't see it, but it's a 3,000 square foot building. And if you would have asked me six months, do you think I'm going to have a spot here on Charles Street and be able to do all these different things? I wouldn't. T- I would. Have, I would have been like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah. You know, but it started because I was going to buy another business, mm-hmm. and then that business deal fell through, and I fell in love with the building, and I just thought the deal was over. And I was talking to another broker friend of mine, and she said, "Hey, why don't you see if you can get your business been doing good? Why don't you see if you can get approved for a commercial loan?" And I was like, "Yeah, really, me?" You know, I'm thinking, and I went to my commercial. I applied for the commercial loan. And Linda's like, yeah, man, your financials look good. You're good. And I was like, really? Commercial business building? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it didn't happen. Yeah. And it just kind of, everything happens organically. So with business, with relationships, I never try to force anything. I always just want to be a part of my essence and then, and serve. And those things have never like led me astray. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a good way to, good way to live. Can't control everything. You just got to live it. And you can't. But it's hard happen. to not want to control yeah. everything. But yeah. then when you look back, you're like, yo, I had no control. I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. Um, what would you say? I mean, I know you've achieved a lot over the, even just your life, but especially over the last five years. But what would you say your biggest life achievement um, has been you know, something just you're really proud of, really passionate about? Um... I guess uh, persevering. You know, I, I don't think it's a, a tangible thing. Um, like, the, this building is cool. I guess I'm still learning, like, what this building could be and, you know, what it's going to be. And maybe one day I'll say, you know, that building, this building is a thing. But it just really hasn't settled. Like, I just closed, like, a week or two ago. Mm-hmm. So, it, like, hasn't really settled. But uh, I would say that, like, it's funny because I help so many of my friends and my frat brothers out because like I hit this space where like I found my purpose like I was a wild guy in college I had a lot of fun like you know my girlfriend went to college with me she heard about me and she like we luckily we didn't date when we in college but something happened where I turned 23 like I just I found real estate and I and I, and I just been had my head down for the last five years and um and I experienced so much so that now I'm at an age where a lot of my friends are starting to buy their first homes or maybe they're starting to find their purpose and they're interested in starting a business or do something. And I hate to be the guy like, yeah, I did that or something happened. But like they count on me because I'm not shy to tell the people about what I went through and, and to get where I'm at in business. Mm-hmm. And I guess I can be that rock for um, people through what I've been through. And explain to them, hey, look, I, I don't want to hear the excuses, bro. Like, you know, my car got repossessed. I still sold 40 homes, you know, had to check engine light the whole time in this beater car. Like, there's nothing that you can do. Like, nothing that, like, I haven't experienced in business mm-hmm. that, I mean, I mean, we don't know what can happen. But, I mean, there's nothing that I haven't experienced yet that I haven't overcame. Right. And I can kind of give that to others absolutely and I'm not and I'm not shy about sharing that information so I guess that's probably the biggest 
gift or thing that I'm happy about because no one can take that away from me. Mm-hmm. All this stuff can be gone. You know, we don't know what what's going on. We're going to have another shutdown. Right. I don't know if I'm going to get audited by the IRS. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> you know, right. it's material. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But but you can't take your experience You can't take away my experience. Your knowledge. Right. Yeah. And, Absolutely. I, and I've, I've got out of tons of debt when I first started this business to now, like, you know, I'm doing okay. And I know that I can do it again because I've done it once before. Yeah. And so that's, that's you can't take that away. Absolutely. That in my education. Right. I recently got my uh, MBA from Morgan State. Okay. So, you know, you can't take that away either. I mean, they can take the student loans. But. Right. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> they take can them. take the degree, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> that's about it. Yeah. Love that. Um, tell me something that most people don't know about you. Any hobbies or fun facts? Yeah, I got a car business. Okay. My hobby are cars. So I buy and sell cars Okay. Uh, on a weekend. A little um, bit of everything you do. It's organic. <laughs> you know, I, you know it, it happened, you know... Uh, I bought my first new car like a year ago, and then um, like my first car with like zero miles, and uh, I already sold it, and I bought another car, but I just didn't want to be over leveraged with debt and stuff, so now I don't have any car notes. But what happened was just, I think COVID happened, and uh, I wanted to like get a hobby, do something. I realized that all I do is real estate. Mm-hmm. All I do is real estate. And so I said, you know, I like cars, and so I want to experience a lot of different cars. So. This year, I've had like a, a BMW 745. I've had a Porsche Panamera. I've had a, a GL 450. That's what I'm driving now. I've had a, a new Dodge Ram. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll just find good deals on cars, buy them, drive them for a little bit, drive and for a little bit, sell, sell them. them. Okay. Yeah, huh. yeah. So that's my hobby. And then I awesome. then I sell cars like that are priced below 5000 on the street to other people that I don't really drive. Okay. One of the cars I really want, it's real weird, but what I want is, uh, you know, you ever seen those white, like, Chevy Express construction vans with the ladder on top? <laughs> yeah. I want one of those so bad, I was just shopping for one this morning. You know, I, one, I need to move stuff into this yeah. space, and I already, I sold my pickup, and then I'm like, maybe I want to wrap, I want to, I want to wrap something, you know, with my company on there, and. I drive that for a little bit and sell it or something. So right. that's one of my hobbies, that. And uh, I watch a lot of content. So that's what really drove me even buying this space was I need to, mer- like, I don't really watch TV. I watch a couple shows, mm-hmm. but I watch, like, YouTube all day. Mm-hmm. So it can go anywhere from watching, like, Vlad TV, which is, like, rap, underground rap mm-hmm. artists and entertainers to watching, like, uh, political uh, podcast or stuff like that and so um, I was like man I need to monetize what I'm doing you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying because I've been watching content so I've been like I think YouTube got popping when I was like maybe 17 right. you know, like 10, 10, 12 years ago and so uh, I'm like I need to incorporate that with my business and that's just where the future is and I remember my dad saying you're never going to get anywhere all you do is watch, watch videos watch videos you know what I'm saying but that's yeah. that's the future is like every, no one wants to read right now right and it's funny because my girlfriend she's a, a PhD candidate at uh, College Park University of Maryland College Park and you know she, her and her friends get into these like intellectual debates I'm like nobody wants to hear that <laughs> you know what I'm saying put that in the video you know yeah. what I'm saying like I'm, she's like, asking me like she teaches a couple classes too and she's like what do you think my students I said they don't want to hear all that <laughs> you know what I'm saying break it down so now 
you know, it, it shows like Lovecraft Country that's out right now. We watching that. She's even like incorporated that to their lessons. I'm like, okay, yes, yeah, that's what smart. they, that's what they want to well, hear. You're connecting with them, especially as students, you yeah. know, like connect with them in a different way and what the world is. And that, you know, goes further than just the standard traditional way of teaching. Yeah. And I just, I'm, I'm like, everything I want to do is I like, you know, I'm 28, but when people meet me or like haven't met me and they've done business on the phone with me because I've been so serious because again, I was 23 and I was always getting questioned about my age and mm -hmm. what do I know about this business? I've always been extremely serious. Mm -hmm. And so I meet people like yesterday, I had one of my agents come in here and uh, she goes, uh, Maurice, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? I said, I'm 28. She said, oh, I thought you was my age. I said, well, well how old are you? She said, I'm 41. <laughs> I said, dang, man, I got I to chill. I need to slow down. Yeah, I got to slow down because, I mean, I don't want to be 40 and then acting like I'm 28. Six, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, I need to, I know my business. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm at, you know, I have my credentials as far as just being a broker. I have education. I have, you know, proof of concept. Now, when you come do business with me, it's going to be fun. It's going to be youthful. It's going to be, you know, I don't have any children. I'm not married. So it's going to it's going to be a different vibe. And I think there's a room where people want to have fun when they're doing business. Mm -hmm. No one wants, you know, what you guys are doing is so great. And I can't wait to see what you guys come up with and what you're doing video because that is just the future, man. Yeah, you know, absolutely. and uh, we got to stay, we got to fight for our youth and our energy, but at the same time, you know, work hard, play hard. You know right. Yeah. I'm and not going to be in a club. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I still want to have fun. Have you know fun. what I'm saying? Got to yeah. find different ways to have fun. That's yeah. important. Definitely. Yeah. Um, anything new or fun, I, fun that you've been wanting to try or getting or get into in the last several months? I would assume that's probably the whole car thing. You, you said yeah. that you just recently started doing that. Is there anything else that is kind of on your mind for the rest of this year or next year? Cars, Cars. content, yeah. merchandise. You know, I just started making my own t-shirts. Okay. Um, just hobbies outside of business. I having mean, more fun. Having more fun. And I want to, I want to, you know, I want to help more people, a broader base of people. So yeah, I still represent clients myself. Like if they're referrals or family members or friends, I still help them. But I have 15 agents now. My team is growing. So if all my agents are doing 30 plus deals a year, my magnitude of helping people is greater. Mm -hmm. So like, and I'm not the broker that, you know, I see you every once in a while and we talk, no, my agent, somebody was blowing me up during this phone call. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming something's going on with the deal. I'm involved with all my agents to like a very high level. And so I share with them and they grow and they start to do business very quickly. And so I feel like that's how I'm helping people. And then everything else is just going to be organically. How can I monetize it so I can continue to live the life that I enjoy and help people, but I'm not going to be the 20, 28 year old going on 40. You know what I'm saying? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. When you kind of answered my next question is where do you see yourself in the next five years? Um, is just helping more people, having more fun and, uh, continue living the life that you want to live. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's it. I mean, I think at the end of the day, I've gone through a lot. Hopefully, you know, we never know with COVID. Hopefully, you know, we're all alive here. You know, I, um, we don't know, but at the end of the day, exactly what you said is helping people, um, exploring my passion, mm -hmm. and um, you know maybe who knows I might be you know I, I do want to I've done one flip this year I want to pl plan on doing flipping three more properties next year, but um, you know maybe the day to day nuances of real estate I'm gonna take a step back on, and I want to help people market 
your business, do what you're doing because agents are going to have to do that in order to grow. Right. And so uh, maybe that's where I'll be in, in the real estate field. Yeah. Well, and we can't wait to see where you're at and even just next year in this building too, which is a really cool building and what you do that. with it. I can't yeah. wait to see that. Um, tell us how we can best reach you. Phone number, email, are you on social media? media? What's yeah. the best way to get a hold of you? So... Uh, I'll give you all everything. My Instagram is Maurice McKinney Inc. Um, Maurice McKinney Incorporated, but it's just Inc. And then um, my email is Maurice at neighborhooduplift.com. And my phone number is 202-840-0591. All right. Or you can stop by, you know, this building is called Suite 1031. It's the address is 1031 South Charles, and it's in Baltimore. We're right in the Federal Hill area. If you guys want to create content, um, get direction on where your business is growing, if you just need a venue to host business meetings, mm -hmm. um, a place to be creative and bounce ideas off of other creatives, Sweet 1031 is your place. Yeah, awesome. Everyone, definitely go follow him or come have a conversation with him. A lot to learn. Thank you. Thank you so much, Maurice. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Pro Talk with ProTech. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow ProTech Inspection Services on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. To be a guest on our show, message us on any of our social media platforms.